And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find at his uh, relatively new Twitter handle now at Horizon Matt, and you can find the podcast on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. And uh, Matt. Um, Judging from the background noise, it sounds like we have another guest here. Uh, we've got Mark Forden with us. Mark, uh, very good to have you on. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me out. So, um, Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, your relatively new site, and um, obviously we'll talk about why exactly we have you on today. Yeah, so uh, I just started my own blog about uh, – it's it's everything about Chicago sports and uh, – different like chicago uh music uh i've been writing for about a year now over at socks on 35th which is a blog that just writes about everything for the white Sox. and then i i just kind of had the feeling that i wanted to expand on uh what i was writing on a little bit and uh kind of broaden broaden my horizons so i created my own site and there i've just been blogging about all different things chicago sports and pretty much everything that they've got going on music-wise and sports-wise uh, mm -hmm. recently. Okay, okay. And the reason, obviously, since, you know, Chicago, because, you know, this is... We you caught our attention obviously because as we know UIC is a big is a part of this whole uh, the Chicago sports scene so um, and, yeah. and with, with UIC obviously we we've we've had quite a few discussions about uh, the goings on about about the Flames and more specifically their uh, uh, Steve McLean their uh, I don't want to say embattled coach yet because I don't yeah. know but. Um, he, every time we turn around, his seat either gets really super hot or really super warm. So, um, but yeah, so everybody can find your, uh, you, so everybody can find your, your, uh, your, your blog on Twitter at NDL official, correct? Yes. The, uh, the handle on Twitter is NDL official. And then the website will be www.numbersdontlie23.com. Okay, great. Great. So I thought we I thought we brought Mark in to talk about Kendrick Nunn. Am I am I off on this? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can talk to you. I see. <laughs> we'll get to Kendrick Nunn, and uh, I have this very strange feeling we'll get to Kendrick Nunn uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, actually, I'm uh, speaking of speaking of Horizon League players in the uh, Horizon League players in the. In the NBA, uh, I've, I before we even get started, I want to say congratulations to former uh, Green Bay player Alfonso McKinney, who got himself a uh, got himself a, uh, got himself locked in with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I guess I should say congratulations, but it is the Cleveland Cavaliers, so it might be congratulations and I'm sorry all at the same time. <laughs> They've got Andre Drummond now; they're great. They are, but uh, you know, but they got. Uh, I don't understand that. I'm still trying to figure out the logic behind hiring John Beeline as their head coach. I'm still trying to figure that part out. But, you know, I moved away from Cleveland. I don't give a shit anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving. But, but congratulations, Alfonso McKinney, obviously, um, you know, again, formerly a Green Bay. So that, uh, that brings us up to two play former horizon league players in the in the association including kendrick nunn who by the way who yeah and oh oh by the way and you know kendrick nunn will be seeing a lot of 
next weekend during All-Star Weekend because I believe he's in the Rising Stars Challenge. Yeah, he's won three uh, three straight Eastern Conference uh, Rookie of the Month from the NBA. So, yeah, he's absolutely in the uh, Rookie Challenge there, the Rising yeah. Stars game. Yeah, so uh, so you don't you definitely don't want to miss that. Uh, I think that's what is that Friday or Saturday? Again, I, I don't spend oh, a whole hell of a lot of time. I think on that's the NBA Friday, anymore. honestly. Gotcha. I think that's after the Celebrity All Star Game, but I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's Friday though. Yeah, you want to know? Yeah, well, the, yeah. So yeah, so that's gonna be that. That's gonna be an interesting. That should be actually pretty exciting, I'm sure, for those of you who are obviously into the NBA. Not before nope. the playoffs, of course. Um, but kind of getting back to the uh, kind of getting back to current <laughs> Horizon League players, we're still in the middle of a logjam. I mean, it's it's breaking up a little, <laughs> but not a whole hell of a lot. Um, so now we are at a point where uh, Cleveland State has kind of fell uh, fell off a little bit. They fi- uh, Youngstown State has finally broken the what I call the Cleveland State curse because they lost because Youngstown State lost five games to Youngstown State lost five games to what they call it for reason uh, to Cleveland State for some reason like Cleveland State was their kryptonite or something and good news is is that you know now Youngstown State is a half game up on everybody and one of the best is so, but there's still this logjam. There's still this logjam between the Flames, UIC, and for reasons that escape me, the two, the two what they call it teams, the two Wisconsin teams. Yes, yeah, so the two hey, Wisconsin what, teams. What are you looking for here, Bob? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm, I I lost my stats today, so that you know. So you've got Youngstown State, uh, who's up a half game, but it's really it's Youngstown, Milwaukee, Green Bay, and UIC are all 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 jammed up there in the three through six spot. Yeah, which is interesting because we didn't think that was going to happen. But now yeah, Youngstown State is a half game up because obviously they played the, only the one game this past weekend. And then at seven and six, it, it seems like we're it, it, we're we still have this pattern of all these teams in here, and inexplicably nobody seems to want to get away from each other. You well, know, you know, and they have the- opportunities too. They have ever they have all these opportunities to do so, and yet they don't. They, UIC you, could have absolutely put some put some distance in there this week indeed. and didn't. UIC had every UIC actually had an opportunity to sweep the weekend at home against both Wisconsin teams perfect opportunity and they came out of they came out of Milwaukee and it was the Milwaukee game was just abs- an absolute laugher for them i can't believe what happened to them honestly yeah exactly so yeah so and then they turn around and basically do the same thing to, they turn around and do the same thing to Green Bay makes sense of that I can't. Yeah. I mean, we've. You hate to just keep saying we've said it, we've said it, but we have. Like nobody wants to take over. No. You've got, you know, you've got your top two teams that have separated themselves. Great. You've got your bottom. Great. And this middle section really isn't getting any better. Another week goes by that nothing has really changed, and nobody wants to seize the opportunity to to set themselves apart. You know that Spider-Man meme where you got the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other? That's basically yeah. three through six at this point. Yes. 
So, um, so Mark, obviously, I think we, you know, obviously because, you know, we, we have you on for, to get kind of the UIC perspective on this and yeah, I guess we kind of want to get your insight as to what the heck is going on with them. I, every, every time we kind of count them out as kind of done or count, you know, because let's be honest here again, you know, we're talking about a guy like, like Steve McClain, who he's more or less fighting for his job at this point. And, you know, you, you see kind of flashes of the UIC we were supposed to see. And then there's games like the Milwaukee game where it just goes away. And we're not really 100% on that one. And I think we might have lost Mark. I think he can hear us, but he can't. we can't talk to him. Mark, no. <laughs> great, I broke my... Great, I broke, I broke Skype. That's fun. <laughs> no. That was not supposed to happen. Um... Oh, we so, guys. Oh, yeah, hey. there we go. Okay. Hey. I apologize. My microphone got muted. I have no idea how that really happened. Um, actually, my bad. I, I uh, actually, that would be my fault because I wanted to make sure because I was hearing a bunch of background noise on your end. Sorry. <laughs> and then oh, for, okay. apparently I, you couldn't get unmuted, so that was also my bad. I apologize. That's my fault. So yeah. So we, yes. So what the heck is going on over there? Yeah, so looking at their record, they're 12 and 14, which it feels like they've won a lot more games than that. I mean, they're six, they're, they've won six of their last eight games, but it's just games like Milwaukee where I don't really know what happens. And then I specifically remember, uh, I think last Saturday, they went to Detroit and played a not very great Detroit team, and they lost by a point. And they were up like, f they were up five with about a minute left, end up losing the game by a point. There's just, like, a couple games that you look at in here where you definitely know that they are capable of winning, that they yeah. just don't pull out. Like, you can even go all the way back to this, uh, December, Illinois at Illinois State, lost by a point. Some of these conference games, they were really winnable games for them, and I just feel like they haven't really lived up to their full potential this season. And that... What do you do? You have any insight or any thoughts about why that is? Is it a McLean issue? Is it a personnel issue? What like what is it a culture issue? Like why do you think that's the case? Uh, I think, I think it's just tough on them because last year, losing uh Tarkus Ferguson and uh wait no not Tarkus Ferguson uh Ty Odysseus to the, uh I'm I'm pretty sure he's in the G League now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ty Odysseus. Uh, Dikembe Dixon, yeah, yeah. too. Don't, yeah, definitely Dikembe Dixon. Yeah, yeah, Dixon, yeah. Just losing two really big seniors like that, you know, they're, they're pretty young, experienced, or not uh, pretty young and inexperienced. Uh, yeah, they've got Tarkus Ferguson still on the roster. He's a senior this year. And then they've also got, I feel like Jordan Blount, uh, I think you say his last name, from Ireland. I feel yeah. like he hasn't really played to his full potential this season is uh, the, also... the, the question I have about Jordan Blunt though is that remember he was he's coming back from that knee injury is it you know yeah is it a, is it an issue of he's not still not a hundred percent I mean I mean if you look at how he's playing I mean he is you know definitely getting into getting into it and and I've said as I've said over and over again with to no to no with no fail obviously you know, he's, he's loud and loves kryptonite, and it showed against Wright State because they beat him. 
Yeah, that was a great game for them. So, yeah, it, it just seems that, yeah, it, it, it's weird because you see on paper that UIC has all of this talent. They have, they have all these guys. I mean, if you get, it, it seems to me the best for them, the best scenario that they can put out, specifically in the backcourt, is when you have Godwin Bowen running the point, and then you got Adi and, and Ferguson off ball being able to make their shots. And yeah. it just seems to me that that's not when it when it's happening, it's excellent. So case in point, Green Bay, they were able to run their offense that way. Shots were able to fall, and they were able to get it going. And but at the same time, then you have the Milwaukee game where absolutely nothing went right for them. And you also saw right. you, you you came very close to seeing that same exact scenario against Cleveland State the week before and had Cleveland State not uh, Cleveland State been able to hit their foul shots that would have been a different story for them right. and, and and but you all at the same time again you also see how easily UIC could have won seven out of eight if not for a if not for a Legrand buzzer beater at the end of the Detroit Mercy game so that's yeah it, it's a it's a weird situation for them. UIC, and again, especially when you're talking about a scenario where you have all this, t- it seems maybe we've just had overinflated expectations for them this season, and they've just kind of not, they've obviously not come to fruition if they're back at, you know, they're mired in the middle of the pack like they have been for the, you know, this whole entire season. And you ha- you have to ask the questions: Is it because of the injuries? Is it because of the coaching? Is it because of something else that we don't know about? Yeah, I mean, you you have to think a little bit of it might be with the coaching. I mean, has uh, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head, but has Steve McLean won a uh, Horizon League title at UIC? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, when when I, when C. McLean inherited this team, it was a it was, what was it? I think they had won like maybe they were they I think they were on like a they were on a conference they were on a losing streak in the conference, and I can't remember how long it was, but it was very very long before Steve McLean took over. You know, where okay. Steve McLean has taken them is a better place than where they were, but it's still. It just still seems kind of blah. Yeah, I, they were in the CIT or CBI or something. That was, uh, yeah. something like that. Uh-huh. Like I, they're definitely they're definitely uh above average program. I mean, maybe just average, but you look at their roster and they really do have a lot of talent. You you that's a lot. It, of, that's that's a question. little too much talent to be average. It's that's that's yeah, all I'm saying. I, I mean, I agree. It seems. So, it, so, Mark, my question for you as someone who's, like, down in, in the trenches with them, like, how is UIC seen in the Chicago scene? Like, w- are they able to recruit Chicago? I've always heard that it's actually tough for them because a lot of the great Chicago players want to get out of Chicago. Like, what's that scene like for them, and what what does UIC need to do to get over this hump? It, it really is, especially because it, it really is tough for them to recruit around Chicago, especially because um there's a lot – Oh, there's 13 Division One uh, schools in Illinois that have a Division One college basketball team. 
So there's a lot of competition. There's in Chicago alone, you have Loyola, um, Northwestern, DePaul, Chicago State, and then you, and then you got obviously UIC. So they have a Colin lot of competition. Chi- Calling Chicago State a Div One program is very kind, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a whole another subject. But anyways, so they definitely they definitely do have some competition when recruiting. But I, I just I, I did look at I did look at their roster before the season started, and I thought that they would really have a chance to compete for a Horizon League championship this year. I mean, and they still do, but I, I expected their record to be a lot better than what it is. I expected that I, I expect I didn't really expect them to have double digit losses at this point in the season. If I'm being honest. I think that's. I, I think that was really the expectation for a lot of us. I mean, some of us picked them to finish second in the conference. So, yeah, uh, which is obviously not happening. But the way the logjam has happened, there's still a distinct possibility they'll finish in the top half. They'll they get they'll they could definitely finish in the top half of the conference. But is that? But at the same time, when you're looking at UIC and you look, then you also look at a when you look at the schedule and you look at Milwaukee and you look at Green Bay and see what they have to face at the end, they're tough part of the schedule. Green Bay and Milwaukee's, you know, schedule specifically near the tail end is a little easier. They already, Milwaukee and Green Bay obviously got Northern Kentucky and Wright State out of the way. So, you know, their, their, their final schedule involves, you know, playing each other, of course. Um, and then Cleveland State and Youngstown State, and I think um, it, it's it's definitely. And then you look at UIC; it's a little bit more daunting task because they have to. You know, so so it's 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 not a very good situation for. And I really and again and going into and looking at the other upper the other the upper half of that three through six, you have Youngstown State who. There's no reason – the next four games for them are – there's no reason that Youngstown State shouldn't be able to go three out of four in that lead, uh, in their last road games because they have – their last road games are Oakland, Detroit Mercy, and the Wisconsin teams. And the way that, the way that Youngstown State is playing, there's no reason why they shouldn't be at least three – they shouldn't go three out of four on that. Except for the fact, you know, that but the problem that they have, of course, is they are not a great road team at, by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, if you look at both, you look at uh, look at the the matchups. It, there is there is a distinct possibility there should be some leeway in there. You would think. I I honestly think that uh, there's a chance for there's a scenario where UIC could finish out the season four and one. I mean, next weekend for them is going to be absolutely brutal. Going on the road to face Wright State on Friday, and Ugh. then again on the road to face Northern Kentucky on Sunday. But if they could squeeze past one of those and get a win, I think they could uh, finish the season with street three straight wins against IUPUI Detroit at home. I'm excited when for Oakland to come there only because I know that Oakland's got a whole thing planned, not just through uh, athletics, but through the university. Oakland's going to have a couple hundred people in that gym, and a lot of times that's more than UIC puts in that gym, so that could become a bit of a home game for Oakland. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, they've yeah. got a couple buses going to Chicago for something else, and that's part of the trip is the UIC game. 
Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't imagine UIC is always is having – like sometimes it's hard to uh, really tell how many people are in the crowd when you're watching the games, unless it does like the whole panoramic view. But it really doesn't look like they're having that many people. And even when you watch like a Loyola, who I know I know Loyola went to the Final Four last year, uh, two years ago. But when you watch Loyola, the whole student body's coming out to watch the game. They're filling our uh, Gentile Arena up. And you just don't really see that same type of atmosphere for UIC with uh, the students coming out to the game and whatnot. Do you ever make it out to games, Mark? Like, is that something that happens or not terribly often, or how does that work for you? Uh, it's not. I haven't had a chance to yet to make it to a UIC game, but I'm definitely going to catch uh, one of the final three games of the year for sure. I'm just, I'm just curious because, I mean, like you said, it's hard to tell on TV, but, like, I don't ever see when I do watch UIC games, you don't see any fan. You know, they have their pyromaniac student section in theory, but I don't know if they're actually ever at games. Is there anybody there? Like, it just looks right. like it looks like a nice nice venue, but it looks just empty. Yeah, right. Exactly. And their court's beautiful. I, I mean, I really like their court. Everything with the Chicago flag. I'm a really big fan of their court and all, but nice arena too. It looks like they've got a really nice arena too, and. Just I, I I just rarely see the fans there. I mean, I imagine that the Chicago ticket is tough to sell just because there's so much you can do at any point. Like you said, not just the number of college basketball teams there, but just so much to do in the city. And, you know, going out to a mid-major game is tough to sell. So you've got to really find that fan base and get them in those doors every game. And they're, they seem like they're not doing that. Right, right. And that's where, that's where the success of the program is really such a big – uh, tool in getting those fans out there if they could even win one one horizon league championship in like five years and go to the ncaa tournament that's auto that's huge for them just just to have a spot in the ncaa tournament in one in one year that's that would be huge for them just at least getting one in about five years I mean, Northwestern gets people in, in their building. They've been to turn it what once in the past seventy years or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you look at and you look at Loyola. You mentioned Loyola, former, by the way, for, former Horizon League member Loyola, who who you wish they would have been, they would have put up these many these numbers when they were actually in the Horizon League. But it's true. I mean, when you look at Loyola, how the dynamic with Loyola, where their whole entire their whole entire scene changed once they got in, not even the final four, getting into the tournament for the first time in 30 something years. You yeah. saw the kind of, the, you kind of saw the, the, the switch getting flipped over there. And I, I guess the big concern is that you're not getting that from UIC. UIC of course, acts is, you know, it, it's, it's not a, whatever they're, I mean, it, everything that they're trying to do from the court to the, uh, you know, kind of the, 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 the kind of leaning into the whole Chicago motif with their 312, their 312 tip offs. I absolutely love those. But right. if they're not producing, if, you know, you're in, you're in however many years Steve McLean's been in, at UIC and they're still still hovering around that 500 mark, which it seems like they've been doing for the last two or three seasons, in spite of what their roster has to offer. The, and you add in that extra wrinkle of the fact that 
he's got a new boss to impress in Michael Lippitz, their their AD, their new AD, their AD who just came on. That that's it. It almost seems like it's a perfect storm for we're going to see somebody new next year at UIC. And yeah, I mean they've been they they really have been sitting around in mediocrity since I've been uh, really following them and really paying attention to them. I haven't really seen that full season where they just they look really good. I mean, but what? and it's, here's the kicker to that. And but again, the funny part is mediocrity is actually a vast improvement from where they were. Yeah, I mean, because they were because before C. McLean and they were absolutely terrible. And there was they they were they they were basic for years UIC for a few years UIC was basically stuck at the bottom of the Horizon League standings looking up at everybody. So, but as I, I'm sure I've mentioned at least once or twice on this podcast is that you know it seems like they can only get but so far and they need somebody to get them over the top. Not unlike, and I'm not the 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 best comparison I can make Horizon League wise to their situation is the situation that Wright State had in the early 2000s when they had Paul Biancardi, who was who they brought in after Ed Schilling, and Biancardi, you know, he mired in mediocrity. I mean, he was at or around 500, and it probably would have stayed that way too had he not had he not been a part of that whole Ohio State thing that got him, you know, basically fired. Um, basically fired for his role in that. They bring in Brad Brownell. Brad Brownell flips the switch, and it kind of builds the foundation for the right state you see today, where you, you go from Brad Brownell to Billy Donlin to now Scott Nagy. And, and and you kind of see that. Well, and really, if you think about it, um, Billy Donilon was doing a nice job. Yeah. But they fired him. We were all we were all a little taken aback. You know, they, there was a lot of money spent there. But at the end of the day, they made the right move. It got them to that next step. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's I think that is the situation that UIC finds themselves in right now. Is that and they're actually where they they you know Steve McClain has gotten them to this point. Where he has gotten the attention back to a little bit of the attention back to UIC basketball, but it seems to me that they need a guy who can get them back over the top. And... I feel like with McLean, like McLean drew up the plans for the heist, but he can't execute it. They need someone <laughs> with the experience to carry out the the rest of this heist that he has started. You know, that was perfectly said. That was perfectly said. Well, I mean, we have compu- we have compared him to be uh, uh, Steve McLean and is is the last B movie bill of uh, the the B movie bill, and we have now now that Dennis Felton isn't here anymore. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Speaking of speak uh, uh, speaking of B movie villain and Dennis Felton, because you knew that I was gonna, I had to come, I had to bring this up, um, just because I just feel like. You know, I, I feel like I feel I feel a conspiracy theory coming on, because uh, you know I'm I've never really masked my uh, you know my I don't want to say open disdain, but it, it's just you know the way that the way things went when Dennis Felton was here just didn't just seemed off the whole time. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit, yes. So, um. 
And I just want to talk about this a little bit. Um, it's it's just wackadoodle stuff. So um, if you guys aren't into conspiracy theories, just fast forward to the through this podcast. Well, so, I swear to God, if this involves aliens, it does not involve aliens. It involves Ukrainian oligarchs, though. Oh, yo, I'm in on this theory. Keep going. I love this. Okay, so so. In, in the city of Cleveland, uh, in the city of Cleveland, there was this one guy. Uh, there, well, the guy, there was this Ukrainian oligarch by the name of Ihor Kolomoisky, who was buying up, who was actually buying up properties in the, in downtown Cleveland. Um, and at the time, it, this was like 2012. At the time, everybody thought he was like the best thing since sliced bread. Because let's face it, it's downtown Cleveland in 2012. No, other than you know, building a bunch of building a bunch of apartments nobody was really doing anything at that point in time obviously things have changed a little bit in cleveland but it is what it is so he actually bought a couple of what i want to call some of the kind of the some of the signature buildings within downtown cleveland he didn't actually do anything with them i think he was just using it as kind of a front to launder his money um as we found out later because <laughs> he didn't really he bought the he bought the properties and didn't do jack squat with them you may be, and and basically everybody in everybody in the city pretty much fell over, fall, you know, fell over in love with the guy because hey, he was buying stuff in Cleveland, so you know there was no problem there. Fast forward to 2019, and apparently the guy has been, I guess he's been defrauded. I think he defrauded a bank, at least at least one bank. He's back in the Ukraine now. Um, apparently he has. He, so it's a weird scenario. Um, I guess he's like really involved with the current president of the Ukraine right now. And you need to ask yourself, and I guess uh, if you've gotten to this point, and thank God you have, you need to ask yourself, well, what the hell does this have to do with Cleveland State? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> of course, if you follow me, you already know this story. Um, so this Ukrainian oligarch's son, Gregory Kolomoisky, was actually a walk-on for a sem at least one semester at Cleveland State. Wow. He was, yes. And we didn't, well, we, well, and we didn't know who he was at the time because Norris Cole, um, the great Norris, the great Cleveland State player Norris Cole, tweeted out when he was still playing in, uh, when he was still playing in Israel, that he, uh, he tweeted out this picture with a Gregory Kolomoisky talking about how he was this new player for Cleveland State. I had never heard of the kid before. The spring the signing period was over. I had no idea. This was 28. I had no idea who this kid was. No idea. And then I mean there's no record of, you know, there's no like statistics or record or anything of this kid. No idea who he is. So, you know, some of some of the a couple of when Tom Muskowski still had his message board up, some, some of the fans on the message board were looking, were poking around a little bit, and they came across this Ukrainian oligarchy, or Kolomoisky. And so the whole scenario was, I guess, he, we didn't make the connection that Gregory and Ihor Kolomoisky were related at the time. It, it seemed like it would make sense that they were. But fast forward to, you know, again, fast forward to last year when basically the shit hits a fan with all these properties and this, you know, and this oligarch is getting, you know, accused of fraud and everything. And it comes out, yes, Gregory was in fact Igor Kolomoisky's, you know, was, is Igor Kolomoisky's son. 
So none of this should actually matter. <laughs> okay? None of this should actually matter except for one small except for one small thing, which is in 20 in 2018, Cleveland State uh was planning a trip to Italy. Uh the because as we know, obviously, you know, all these uh, some of these teams, you know, go abroad to to play basketball games. Cleveland State was planning to go to Italy. In fact, I think I had Dennis Felton on the podcast talking a little bit about the the Italy trip near the end of the podcast. And the issue was with them; they were they were in need of I think twenty thousand dollars to you know pay for the expenses and make the trip. And they were kind of coming up short because I'm not going to lie to you. I never really – it just never seemed like there was much of a push for Cleveland State to – you know, specifically Dennis Felton to – he wasn't, He didn't seem to me like a I'm going to go solicit donations kind of guy. <laughs> not as you see right now because they're – you know, they, they basically – everybody in athletics has basically leaned into the – leaned into the whole – donations drive Dennis Gates everybody does that Dennis Felton didn't really do that he probably didn't think he had to he just figured he'd steal it from the bank during the heist and I'm getting to that point well um he may not have had to (laughs) but so so why does this tie in and this is where the tinfoil hat comes on so I just could, it seems like a weird coincidence that this Gregory Kolomoisky, the son of this Ukrainian oligarch who is buying up all these properties in Cleveland, magically shows up as a walk-on on the Cleveland State basketball team a month before Cleveland State ends up going to Italy and, by the way, goes to Italy and has the money. I don't know. Songs off about that. Something, and I would love for somebody to please tell me, Bob, you are psychotic. Stop it. You are just a weird ass dude who is just coming up with this crazy shit. Just somebody tell me that I am wrong. Just emphatically wrong. I feel like I've spent entirely too much time thinking about this. It's just so, because it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't matter. Because you know all the all the all the all the parties involved are gone are gone anyway, but I, I just for my own curiosity, it just drives me crazy, and I can't believe I just spent an entire chunk of time on this podcast talking about this. It's yeah, I I think I probably all the listeners we had, I think we just lost them. <laughs> hey, at least we know that, it's something to think about. It's something to think about. I mean, it's not a secret that this stuff happens in college hoops, though. Like, dad, Daddy had money, and he, he made the donation, and his kid could play a little ball, so he walked on for a semester, and then it was gone, and I think he plays professionally somewhere else where Daddy he plays profe- money he actually, oh, like, Funny thing, yeah, actually, as a postscript, actually, Gregory plays professionally in the Ukraine now, because I guess, as I understand it correctly, before the new president, uh, Zelensky, in the, came, was, in, uh, was elected in the Ukraine, um, Ihor Kalamoyski actually had to stay away from the Ukraine for a little bit because um, apparently there was a little heat on him. Because so we were splitting his time between Switzerland and Israel, and oh, hence why. Yeah, so, but now apparently the heat's off, and now he's back in the Ukraine, and so is Gregory. So I don't know. It, it just wow. it it all this it just yeah it, it 
I, I feel like I'm the living right now. I'm the living embodiment of that Charlie Day conspiracy theory pegboard uh, gif. That's where I'm at right now. I know what you're talking about. I followed that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm probably going to post it up on the. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, all right, can we talk about something else? I've pretty much wasted our time with this. <laughs> hey, so uh, normal week in the horizon. Everybody beat up on everybody else. Wright State's very good. Northern Kentucky's very good. Uh, Oakland's not very good. Uh, um, uh, what else am I Everybody's pretty much where they're supposed to be, and nothing really changed this week. Um, oh, and IUP, and IU, now IUPUI, and IU, let, let, we got to talk about IUPUI. Oh, you man, know I, I have to talk about IUPUI, and I have to talk about IUPUI because of the fact that they – it just seems to me that IUPUI has, has all the pieces in place to be a better team than they actually are. They really do. I mean, when you got a guy, when you got guys like Jalen Minnette and Marcus Burke in your in your backcourt, and they can and they can score in bunches. Grant Weatherford, who's like the poor man's Tyler Sharp, like great. I mean, he's yeah, like a, he's like a knockoff version. It's great. I mean, and, and well, and that, and I'm glad you brought up Grant Weatherford because Grant Weatherford in the Milwaukee game he fouled out, and so they had to bring in the freshman Mike DePersia, and Mike DePersia did. It did a great job filling in for for Grant Weatherford, but you have <laughs> how is it possible? I, I don't understand this. Like even a little bit, where you have all these pieces in place and you're still two and eleven in the conference and you lost twenty games. That that defies explanation. Because you They're have just not putting it together. I mean, I'm sure some of it's coaching, some of it's just players not finishing plays. I mean. For IUPUI to win this year, we've seen it's got to be Burke and Manette have just rocking games, just can't be stopped, and that wasn't the case. I mean, uh, Burke had a chance to send that game to double overtime. Uh, the last well, and, well, and uh, he had the he had the chance to eat. well, and he also had the chance to he also had the chance to win the game, Matt. Yeah, but let's not talk about that because I know what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't I'm do sorry. It. <laughs> okay. So if you heard this, if you heard the game, I'm sorry, but if you if you actually watch the game on the uh, on ESPN Plus, um, the the color guy, he you know, he apparently he got overly excited near the closing seconds. By the way, uh, uh yeah, that's gonna be that that made me laugh so hard. That's gonna that's my that's like my new messages notification tone right now. That guy. Because that's, that's... Do, you have, do you have the clip? Do you have it clipped or not? I, I do have it. I send it to you. You have it. Oh. I'm not gonna get. I, it's not a thing I'm gonna put on the air. First of all, that. But again, I, again, I, I keep. Uh, but yeah, again, you know, you have you had Manette, and in that game, IUPUI against Milwaukee, you had Manette and Burke go off for they 49 points between them. Manette had 26. Marcus Burke had 23. Grant Weatherford before he got he fouled out he had 13 points. Elijah Goss is a, a a rebounding machine. He got another 13 rebounds against Milwaukee, and it just seemed. And again, Mike DePersia filling in for Grant Weatherford did an excellent job. I mean, he was he was running the point. He was he he he. I mean, but it just seems like they're just not putting it together. 
it, it's you've, just, you've got to win close games, and that you know it's the same problem I see with Oakland. You know, Oakland's lost nine one possession games. I'm sure yeah. IUPUI has lost something similar. You know, they're not closing out and finishing at the end. Yeah, that's true, and it, it does. I mean, it, I I don't. I guess the question that I have would be: Does would this be a situation? Would this situation be different with Jason Gardner? And I don't think it would be. I really don't. I think he. No. I mean. I mean, I don't. I, I, Jason Gardner, Byron Rim. I don't think it really mattered who was going to be the coach of this team. It just the seems better. To... The better question is, would it be different with Cameron Justice? Excellent question. And also, more to the point, would it be different had Calvin Temple stayed? Maybe. Well, no, actually. Well, see, that's the thing, though, because I don't know. I think that would have complicated if Cameron Justice had come, had stayed. That kind of, I think that would have complicated matters because then you would have had a rotate. You would have had Cameron Justice, Marcus Burke, and Jalen Minnette all fighting for minutes, all fighting for their shots. I think it would have actually made the situation worse, actually. But that's just me. I could be wrong. But, but that, that South Florida game seems like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, right. So. But that's kind of how the whole thing goes. I mean, and it's weird because we, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of how it's gone for IUPY this whole time. No, and oh, yeah, and I, and and again, you see flashes of it because you know the Thursday morning game against Green Bay. I say yeah, the Thursday morning game against Green Bay. That was know, ridiculous. But... Yeah, and it remains ridiculous because you know. <laughs> the field trip game. Oh uh, uh, yeah, with all those screaming kids, every time, every time it's a morning game, you always know there's going to be a bunch of screaming kids there on a weekday. Mm-hmm. It's a better well, atmosphere than they ever have for their games. That is true. That is yeah. true. But the the funny the what's interesting in that one is that you know they actually got back into that game even though they were down by twenty. So again, you saw kind of flashes of it, but it doesn't go anywhere. It generally doesn't go anywhere. And by the way, um, I'm by the way, uh, speaking of the speaking of the IUPUI day game, um, if you have not seen it already, we've tweeted out tweeted it out on the podcast site, uh, on the podcast Twitter page. Um, the <laughs> Barstool, I guess, did a report on. They actually just took pictures of all the miserable adults that were at that game. <laughs> it, it it was the mo- it was the funniest thing on the planet, um, and the, actually the punchline of that was um, actually it hit a little too close to home. Um, was actually a video I guess uh, somebody had done a couple years back, try uh, kind of a man on the street kind of thing, asking random students at IUPUI uh, if they were going to an IUPUI game, and most of them just ran away from him like he was at handing out. It, like ha- handing out free samples of the Ebola virus, it was it was I would it was it would have been funny, but if you could, it, there's a very distinct possibility that that also that scenario could have played out at a lot of our campuses. So it hit a little too close to home for me. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, with that, 
we'll we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and head to wrap up the show. So, uh, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, once again, everybody, I tell everybody where they can find uh, where where they can uh, log in and uh, see your blog and uh, where you are online. Oh yeah, again, thanks so much, guys, for having me. It was uh, really a blast coming out here talking some Horizon League basketball, some UIC basketball with you guys. Uh, so if if anyone's curious on readings, uh, just some sports blogs and some music blogs about everything around Chicago. My Twitter handle is at NDL official. And then you can find me on my website at www.numbersdontlie23.com. All right, great. Again, thank you very much for joining us, Mark. And as always, you can find episodes of the Horizon League, non which don't include conspiracy theories, on our website, horizonroundtable.com. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. And, of course, you can find us on your Amazon and Google devices. Um, thank you for listening. Um, and, of course, uh, do not forget, next week we're going to have Todd Buckingham at Major underscore Midback with us talking about fan rankings. Now that we close out the show. And then... Um, that's it. Um, well, not that <laughs> we got plenty of stuff. You don't want to miss it. So tune in for the uh, tune in soon. And thank you guys for listening.